Ah, thank you very much for that wonderful children's story. I feel like the main points of the sermon were already shared. <laughs> and so this will just be a review of, of some of the things that you mentioned. <laughs> um, it's true that around Christmas time, we get a little bit crazy. I don't know about you, but I've definitely been crazy. And um, sorry, Ben, I'm going to move around. Is that okay? Or no, should I just stay still? Never mind, I'll just stay still. Um, I realized last week and panicked that Christmas was coming very soon. The cards hadn't been written. The presents hadn't been bought. Um, the house hasn't been cleaned because my sister and her husband are coming um, on Wednesday. I'm very excited, but the house is not ready. The guest room is not ready. Um, and so I just started to kind of panic because I realized I'm still working on November's to-do list, right? And it's almost the end of December. And so, you know, the panic is starting to set in. I think Sam was around when I was like, ah! And she was very kind and helped me wrap a lot of my presents for me. But um, this morning was also crazy, if you couldn't tell by the fact that we started late today. Um, I don't know if you noticed, I'm wearing bright yellow slippers because I forgot to change into my pumps um, in my haste to put the kids in the car and I was supposed to go back and change my shoes didn't you might notice that Joshua doesn't have shoes today because I forgot to put shoes on him um, I made a cake for James's birthday today and forgot James is not gonna be at church today guys <laughs> I do have cake that we can enjoy on his behalf <laughs> um, so you can all text James and say happy birthday we're enjoying your cake um, so yeah it's been a bit of a crazy morning it's been a bit of a crazy week and um, perhaps you can relate to my need to find and experience peace this Christmas season. Um, you know, in addition, as if our first world problems about the holiday panic weren't enough, you hear news around the world about terror attacks and you know, people targeting the crowds at Christmas. And all, it just kind of puts a whole new spin of distress and um, lack of peace during this time that's supposed to be a season of peace, uh, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet we're finding more and more that that's not true. And for many of us, Christmas isn't white or red or green. It's blue. It's a day of loneliness. Um, it's a time of grief. It's a time of maybe financial struggles, personal problems. Perhaps it's our first Christmas away from family. Perhaps it's our first Christmas, um, you know, without that special someone that had been in your life. Perhaps this Christmas you um, have someone who is sick or someone close to you who perhaps isn't here anymore. And so for many people, Christmas is a blue Christmas. For many of us, it's a time of craziness, stress, loneliness, sadness. So how can we find peace in the midst of all that? I want to look at one verse today. And there will be other verses, but our main verse today is a verse that is often quoted on Christmas cards and kind of around um, various places. And it says this, and let's read it all together, shall we? For to us... A child is born. Okay, guys, I meant everyone. All right, let's try that again. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Have you all heard this verse sometime before? Well, today I want us to kind of look at it a bit closely, more closely. Because... There's so much packed in this one verse 
this um, verse is from a book called Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet who lived, if I can get my pointer, there you go, um, who lived during the 700, can't get my pointer, there we go, 740 to 700 BC, um, so quite a while before the birth of Jesus. And he was a messenger of God, which is what a prophet means. A prophet is simply a messenger, a mouthpiece for God. So God would tell him what to say, and then Isaiah's job and mission was to go and share that news with others, no matter how bad that news was, and no matter how challenging it was to share it. And in fact, he was in prison for sharing it, and lots of bad things happened to Isaiah because of his faithfulness um, to be God's messenger. Well, Isaiah lived during a very interesting time in history. During this time, so you'll notice that um, there's two kingdoms, because after the death of King Sol Solomon, who was kind of like one of the best kings of Israel, sadly, shortly after that, it was civil war, and Israel actually split into two kingdoms, Kingdom Israel, Kingdom of Judah. And around them are, you know, smaller other kingdoms as well. But up here was the Assyrian Empire, which is like way over here, okay? It's a big empire beyond the map. And around here, where you can't see it, is the Egyptian kingdom. So another big power. So you might notice that between this Assyrian Empire and the Egyptian kingdom are these small nations. Now you would think, oh, these big kingdoms, why, why do they need to bother these little ones? But they bullied them because over here is the sea and over here is the desert. So the only way to Egypt from Assyria and Egypt to Assyria, uh, and vice versa in order to fight each other as the big superpowers and also for trade route and things like that was to go through the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So unfortunately, they were caught in the middle of these massive superpowers and had to um, often fight against one or the other. And for a long period of time, basically the Assyrian Empire um, made them their subjects, and they had to pay taxes and tributes to them every year. Now, the Israelites were not happy about that. So they went from being a prosperous country to being one that was burdened and stressed. And then people started to live very selfishly. They were always kind of selfish, but even more so during this time. Because they wanted to keep the gold and silver for themselves, right? They have to pay a huge amount of tribute and tax to Assyria. So whatever there is theirs, they felt like was was very precious and they didn't want to share. And so everything was about their own kind of gain at the expense of others. So during this time, um, a lot of prophets tried to tell, you know, the people, God sent a lot of messages saying, hey, stop exploiting your workers. Pay them decent wages. Hey, look out for the orphans and the widows and those who are poor amongst you. Don't forget about them. God had laws in place, civil, you know, civil laws, to help those who are poor and disadvantaged so that they wouldn't have to live in poverty. But they disregarded those laws. They were not being compassionate. They were living for themselves. The constant re uh, refrain of God during this time, um, and you can read this throughout all the prophetic books in the Old Testament was learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And of course, this is a very famous verse in Micah, who, who we named Micah after. To, in, you know, it says, what does God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. But despite all these messages... It was a dark time where people lived for themselves. And I don't know about you, but I see that 
here in Melbourne, right? Where is there's there is this mad rush at Christmas, and a lot of it is to do good, but a lot of it is also for our own kind of desires, our own kind of you know to do lists, our own goals and ambitions. During this dark time of history, despite the fact that the people were living for themselves, despite the fact that they were worshiping idols instead of God, God never deserted them. Not only did he send prophet after prophet, but he sent this message of hope. And this is where we get to in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, nevertheless, so he, you know, previous to this, he's talking about all the terrible things that are, that are going on in Israel. And he says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, no matter how dark those times were, God gave them this morning star in that darkness to give them the hope that they could still have peace, that they could still have a future, that they could still have a relationship with God and others because of a Messiah that was going to come. And no matter how dark, no matter how blue, no matter how crazy, no matter how scary our world is today, this Christmas season, we too can have peace because we have Jesus. I just want to look briefly at each of these attributes Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. You know, we use that word wonderful for a lot of things, but in the original, kind of wonderful means it was something that inspired wonder, right? Something that was miraculous, something that was just awe inspiring. And it's saying that Jesus is a wonderful, awe inspiring, miraculous counselor. Do you have a counselor like that? Do you have? any counselor at all. Um, Sue was sharing with, with Clarence that um, it's very important to have self-care, right? To love yourself. And I do want to suggest to you that um, getting a wonderful counselor is a good New Year's resolution to add, to do some self-care. As a lot of you know, I had a mini breakdown in August when Roy was in New Zealand um, and I was alone with the kids and things were just piling up and, oh, I thought I, I think I, I was just at the bottom of the worst I'd ever been in terms of you know physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Anyway, so um, I decided, you know what, I, I I need to do something about this. I can't just stay like this. And so um, the, our employer, the conference, gives us these counseling vouchers every year. But every year they usually just went into the recycling bin at the end of the year because I hadn't we hadn't used them. And so I remembered that and I said, you know what, I should actually go get some counseling. I believe in counseling because God has given people gifts of counseling um, to help us work through things. And so I looked up, I Googled the nearest Christian counselor to me um, and just booked it in and thought, oh, let me try it out. And it turns out, and I really, and I prayed that God would lead me to the right one. And um, I thank God because it turns out that this counselor, before she became a counselor, was a prep teacher for 20 years. And so in our six sessions, I would just like bring situations or, you know, 
things I was struggling with as a parent. And then she would just give me tips on how to, how to deal with various things. It was so good, right? It was excellent. Um, and so even though I'm past that kind of crisis now, and even though I'm, I'm doing a lot better now, when my new set of vouchers come for next year, I'm going to use them because I think oftentimes we forget that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. We'll go to the GP if we, you know, if there's something wrong or to get a physical and a yearly checkup. But when's the last time you went to a counselor to be able to share what's stressing you out, to share what's on your mind and to work through some of those things that, um, that we need to in order to have a healthy mind. And so I want to recommend to you that one way we can have peace this Christmas is maybe book in a session um, or find someone that in the new year that you can um, start going to. And in the meantime, we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus. You know, the counselors that we, we go to, um, they vary, you know, per hour, the cost, but they're definitely not cheap, you know, unless you have a voucher from your boss as well. Um, but Jesus is available to us 24-7, right? We don't have to book an appointment. We don't have to wire over money. We can just go to him in prayer. We can pour out our hearts to him and tell him what's on our mind. He's the best listener, right? And not, not only does he listen to us, but he actually gives us really good advice. And that's what the Bible is for. That's what Christian friends are for. That's what um, this community is for. That's what Christian resources are for, to give you that voice of God, giving you back that counsel. This is our last week of the 40 Days with Jesus. And so for those of you who um, have, been, have, have a copy of the 40 Days um, with Jesus book, I, I really recommend that you go through it. And it's okay if you haven't finished it. I haven't finished it either. I, I plan to, I've read through it all, but I plan to next year go back and actually do the challenges at the end of each day now, now that I've kind of read it, it's in my mind, to actually execute and implement. And if you don't have a copy, we still have copies, and I have a PDF version as well. And so um, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book, 40 Days Wild. And I find it's a really good way to talk to God and also listen to God and get that counseling to help us um, have a, a, a greater, um, I guess, self-awareness as well as um, a journey of discovery and a journey of healing that we can take on. One of the challenges that's, that was in the 40 Days Wild for this past week was the challenge to pause and reflect. Pastor Troy Fitzgerald talked about how relentlessly we live, you know, just running from thing to thing. And he says, there's no vision, no thinking, no sharing, no time to listen or be a friend, no way to learn something new, no way to give of yourself or receive a gift graciously. Too many don't even know how to rest and be awake at the same time. Because right? we're just rushing from thing to thing. We're just going through the motions and we don't have a chance to just pause, stop, reflect, listen, especially because we all have smartphones. Um, there's been research done. Um, I read this book called Bored and Brilliant. Um, it's a bestseller uh, written by a journalist and radio host, Manush Momoradi. And she realized one day that, you know, since she had gotten a smartphone, she was never bored, right? Because you always have something. You have the internet, you've got Facebook, you've got music, something. But one day she realized that when she didn't have her phone or, you know, if the battery died or, you know, it was, uh, um, she forgot it or whatever, that 
when she was bored, that that's when she was most creative, right? Because there's been research done to show that it's when we are not doing anything, when we have turned off the stimulation, when we are deplugged, that we're able to let our mind wander. Um, there's a study by UK psychologist, Dr. Sandy Mann, who asked subjects to do something really boring, and then they were asked to create, to try a creative task. And um, what they found was that participants of the study, when they did the most boring task of all, which was reading the phone book, right, the alphabetical list of names in phone book, that's, that, that's actually when they came up with the best creative ideas, okay? And um, she wrote this, we might go off in our heads to try and find that stimulation by our mind wandering, daydreaming, and you start thinking a little bit beyond the conscious, a little bit in the subconscious, which allows sort of different connections to take place. In other words, when you really deplug, right, turn off your phone and come away to be alone and quiet with God, that is when you can connect. That is because all those voices then are silenced. It might, it might take a while, you know, just like they say, you shouldn't have a screen before you go to bed because that light disturbs your, you know, REM cycle. In the same way, think about all the noise and clutter in your mind. And no wonder we don't feel peace when we pray to God because we haven't really given adequate time for that to quiet down and dim away so that we can focus and listen and feel ref refreshed by God. When's the last time you went somewhere without your phone. A few weeks ago, um, uh, Roy and, and myself and the kids, we decided to have a little picnic after church by ourselves. Um, it was about three or four weeks ago, right after I got from Hawaii, back from Hawaii. And so we packed a little picnic, you know. Um, and so after church, we just went to like a little park in North Melbourne. And um, Joshua fell asleep on the way there. So Roy stayed in the car. And Micah and I went out. We put the picnic rug out and we ate and it was a beautiful day. And after eating, Mike, I started chasing butterflies and my phone battery died. And so I couldn't be on my phone. And so then all I had to do was just sit there and watch my precious son chase butterflies. And that was the first time I noticed that there were so many butterflies. I hadn't noticed them, but Micah certainly did. And it was running around. There were about 40 butterflies just everywhere, all around us. And he was, you know, running with delight, crying, Mommy, look. Look how beautiful these butterflies are, right? And that was the first time I noticed them. When's the last time you turned off your phone and noticed God's creation around you, noticed the people around you, right? If you walk down the streets, people don't even look at the cars anymore. <laughs> like, they're, they're on their phone as they cross the street, right? Or... If you get on the tram or the train, no one is looking at each other. Everybody is on their phone. When's the last time you decided to just turn it off, take off the head, you know, your buds, and just look around and notice, and notice the environment that God has put you in. In that moment when I was watching Micah chase butterflies, I felt more at peace and more complete than I had a week before lying on the beach in Hawaii. Because peace is not just the absence of conflict or not doing anything. Peace is wholeness. Peace is completeness. Peace is knowing and understanding that God has given so much to us and that there are people around us that we can connect to. There's nature we can connect to. There is a restoration and refreshing of our soul. When we stop, pause, deplug, 
and just spend that quiet time. By communing with the Creator in that intimate counseling session, we can experience peace. I want to invite you on Christmas Day, if you're around, to join us at Flagstaff Gardens. No presents, no programs, just food and fellowship. Just eat and hang out. You can take a nap <laughs> on the grass if you want to. You can watch Micah chase. Well, actually, at Flagstaff, he, stick picks, he collects sticks and stones and acorns. He just loves doing that, that particular garden. So you can join him in that, right? Um, and I wanna, and if you're not around this Christmas, wherever you are on Christmas Day, take a little bit of time out. Take a little bit of time out to do that quiet counseling session with God. Not only is God, Jesus, our my wonderful counselor, he is a mighty God, a mighty God. Mighty means strong. It means warrior, champion. Whatever battle we are fighting, Jesus is our champion. He's able to fight it for us. He's, able, he's powerful enough to save us to the uttermost. Thursday is my day off, and I took Micah and Joshua to the zoo. And I hadn't taken them to the zoo in about six months. And the last time I, t I took them to the zoo, Joshua stayed in the pram the whole time, and he was happy to do so. Not anymore. So as soon as we get there, you know, Joshua wants to get out. So I release him, and then off he goes. And um, he's so fast, and, you know, he's got a mind of his own, so he wants to see that monkey, not that one, you know. And so he's, there he is, going all over the place. And, you know, Micah and I are ready to move on to see the next animal. But no, he's still at that monkey. And so I would call out to him, Joshua, come on, let's go. And he wouldn't listen. And I'm tired. I don't want to chase after him. And so I'm thinking, oh, I have to go run after him. And Micah goes, Mommy, I'll be the superhero. I will go and get him. So then off he went, grabbed Joshua. He, like Joshua's almost as big as Micah, but he can carry him. And he dragged him back. And you know, Joshua's like, ah! And uh, Micah brought him back and said, my name is now Protector. I will protect Joshua from getting lost and getting into trouble. And he did. He did such a good job when Joshua was walking by the, the zoo shop and saw all the merchandise. He was like, ooh, and he was about to go in. And Micah went to the door and blocked the entrance <laughs> with his arms stretched out. And uh, a stranger who was trying to get in couldn't and, um, and looked, at, looked at me and said, he's going to be a good bouncer one day. <laughs> there he was, you know, he was like star shape, arms stretched out. And he said, you cannot go in, Joshua, go back to mommy. And, you know, I, wanna, I, want, I wanted to paint that picture for you because God is this mighty God. Jesus is this mighty God. And when there was a big storm on the Sea of Galilee, that place that Isaiah prophesied will be blessed by the presence of light. That when there was this big storm and the disciples on the boat were afraid, even though Jesus was on the boat, they were afraid and they cried out, Jesus, we're, we're dying, don't you care? And Jesus was sleeping and he gets up. And he's like, hey, why are you afraid? I'm here. And he stands up and he stretches out his arms and he says, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves died down. And I want to suggest to you today that Jesus' arms are stretched out for you. Whatever trouble you're in, whatever distress, he is mighty to save. And his arms are stretched out to the point of the cross. There is nothing he wouldn't do. He has died for you. What, what more could you want? He is a mighty God whose arms are stretched out to, to save you, to help you, to give you strength that 
if it is his will for you to go through that trouble, he's going to give you patience, strength, endurance, and grace to get through it. Sorry, I was supposed to, I got carried away in my stretching arms and I didn't show the pictures. <laughs> but not only is he our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, he is an everlasting father. What does that mean? There's a verse that says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you, but that's incredibly comforting to me that he is a consistent, ever-present, loving individual. Right? He's not going to disappear on you one day. I was looking at statistics of um, fatherless homes and about how there was, a, there was a chart in the Australian Bureau of Statistics of the, from the census that showed the chart of um, the num as the age of the child grows, right? The father leaves. It's sad, but that, that's, it's a very clear um, trend. And um, in America, it's a lot worse. In America, it's like one, not one in three children. Father has left. Um, is not is not there is absent and in Australia right now it's about one in four point five ish, <laughs> but getting more towards one in four every year it increases. And, you know, studies show that it's imagine if what what someone that you depended on leaves you right it, it creates this really big hurt and pain. And and Jesus says, hey, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am never going to leave you. I'm always going to be there. And not just that, when you look at that word, everlasting father, what does that mean? Well, in the original context, father means source, the source or the originator. And so in other words, this phrase, everlasting father, can be understood as Jesus is the source of eternity. Jesus is the source of eternity. In other words, he is the giver of eternal life. He is the one who has given us life and will continue and, and maintain our life and give us that eternal life by saving us. When Jesus was in the womb and um, oopsie, um, Zachariah, who was Jesus' cousin's father, um, he, he prophesied about his son, John the Baptist, as well as Jesus the Messiah. He wrote, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, Jesus gives us peace by forgiving our sins, right? Like that cross that was handed out, the yellow cross. He takes care of the guilt and the anxiety and all the things in our heart that we're struggling with. Jesus says, hey, let me wash that all away. Let me lead you into the pathway of peace. I like to, you know, when I think about Jesus leading us from the shadow of death to the pathway of peace, I like to picture him from Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And I really like that image of Jesus guiding us and, and protecting us and giving us peace, not because the way is good and pleasant, but because he's carrying us, because he's protecting us, because he is with us. And so in those panic-stricken moments, right, in that stressful time of Christmas, it, it's not, you don't need to take an hour. Just take a moment, close your eyes, and picture Jesus as that shepherd holding you close. Look how cozy he looks. Look at that lamb. He's very happy and contented, right? It doesn't matter how dark it is around. He's safe. 
He's warm. You know, he's been fed. Jesus is taking care of him. And Jesus is taking care of us because he is our Prince of Peace. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace I leave with you. My peace... Oh, not switching. Sorry, having trouble. Can you switch? Sorry, Caroline. There you go, thank you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Like the video that was um, shared right before the sermon um, talked about, peace, you know, the Hebrew word shalom and the Greek word irene, it's not just, yeah, peace like calm. It's wholeness, it's restoration, it's, it's completeness, right? And so when Jesus says that he's the prince of peace, he has come to heal and to restore. And the restoration might not be instantaneous. It might be the silent healing of a broken heart. It might be the gradual mending of a difficult relationship. But just as the birth of Jesus came and was not the end but was the beginning, as we accept Jesus into our hearts, his spirit transforms us so that our hearts heal, so that our relationships mend, so that our bitterness and pain and anxiety and grief can turn into peace. The restoration might not be on this side of eternity. Justice may not be served until Jesus returns. And we may have to wait until resurrection morning to see a loved one again. But until that day when all things are made right, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I'm always here. You can have peace with me, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so then we come back. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Did you catch that? For us. To us. Jesus is the greatest gift that we have ever received. Wrapped in poor, simple swaddling clothes in the weakness of humanity. For us, to us. Wonderful counselor, for us, to us. Mighty God, for us, to us. Everlasting Father, for us, to us. And Prince of Peace, for us, to us. So when you're feeling stressed this Christmas, let's review just a few pointers just to review. First of all, meet with your wonderful counselor, right? Whether it's a quick SOS session or an hour booked in or a Sabbath afternoon, whatever it is, take that time to be quiet, go out to nature, turn off your phone, and be with God. Trust in your mighty God. Picture those outstretched arms protecting you, saving you from disaster, disease, difficult relatives, your own selfishness, impatience, anxiety. Picture his arms outstretched on the cross to save you from all the sin, from all the things in our hearts, from all the guilt. And believe that he is mighty enough to conquer any problem in your life. Lean on your everlasting father and remember that because he's the source of eternity, we can have eternity in perspective. And let me share a tip that has really helped me calm down. I used to be a lot more of a perfectionist growing up. Like when I was doing my homework, I would first do it um, 
I would do the homework. Let's say it's a math math homework. I would do it all. And then I would redo it. Like I would rewrite it. Now that I've worked it all out, I would rewrite it so that it was like perfectly written. I used to be a perfectionist. Okay. And, and so you can imagine that if, if a little thing went wrong, I, it, would, it was a big deal. I would, I would cry. I would, I would then start all over, right? And then um, I got, somehow I survived all the way to uni. And then um, when I was in uni, I heard some advice that changed my perspective and gave me so much more peace. And it was this. It was a very simple tip. It said, hey, when you're stressed or when you're worried, just ask yourself, will this matter in 40 years? Will this matter in 40 years? And so let's say I didn't do as well on a test as I wanted to. In 40 years, will I even remember what that test was about? Will I even care? Will it impact my life? Will it change my career, that one test? And most of the time, the answer is no, it really doesn't. So then do I have to stress about it? Do I have to you know, feel like the world is ending? When that relationship doesn't work out, in 40 years, Will it really matter? Hopefully, in the 40 years, you have found someone else. Right? In 40 years, will it really matter if we didn't give everyone Christmas presents? Will it really matter if our house is a mess? In 40 years, right? So once we kind of zoom out of just this moment, it gives us a greater perspective. And so when, because Jesus is the source of eternity, right? It gives us a chance to say, okay, God, in the light of eternity, forget 40 years, in the light of eternity, is this worth me getting stressed and panicked and angry and grumpy about? Most of the time, I think the answer would be no. And finally, as you embrace God's presence, it's a good opportunity to share the gift of Jesus. right? And um, as Sue mentioned earlier, Christmas is a great time to be kind and that by being kind, we actually experience peace. Um, next Saturday, we're going to be putting together care packs for the women's shelters, women and children who are fleeing situations of domestic violence or some kind of you know, challenging situation. And um, it's a great time to, to be kind. And you know, when we do that kind of work, it's not draining, right? When we do something for others that's kind, it gives us that extra feeling of joy and goodwill and cheer, everything that Christmas is supposed to be about. Or you could go to the creepy markets on Friday night to give out the care packs for the homeless. Or perhaps you can invite somebody who's lonely this Christmas, who doesn't have any family, to come join our Christmas picnic, right, and bring them along. Whatever it is, maybe you can give a gift to somebody who's not expecting it. Whatever it is, may this Christmas season be about living for Jesus, to Jesus, by serving and doing things for others, to others, so that as we participate in God's work of recreation, we become instruments and recipients of God's peace. So wherever you are this Christmas, maybe some of you are traveling and I won't see you, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.